When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty. A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire. Back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Matt O'Han, back with you on the Sick Podcast on this Thursday night. Boy, oh boy, uh, if you stuck around for that entire game like I did, uh, you are going to have a rough day at work tomorrow uh, because I not only had to stay up uh, past that snooze fest to talk to you, but uh, then I got to wind down after the show and wake up for early for work tomorrow. So that's going to be a tough one because that game did nothing to uh, energize me or inspire me. Wow. Um, so we're going to talk about it, but we're going to take care of some business first. Uh, the SICK Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group has recently been named by Deloitte and CIBC as one of Canada's best managed companies, the, comp- uh, the country's leading business award recognizing innovative and world-class companies. The business, uh, best managed Canadian companies designation fuels energy's purpose for creating progress for our customers, our employees, and our communities. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. We're also brought to you by Playground. Experience the world-renowned Playground poker experience with free food and drinks at their cash games tables. A bad beat jackpot that's already over $700,000 after the world record-setting amount of $2,590,000 was won on August 2nd. 
weekly promotions, daily tournaments, and unmatched customer service. Why play anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal playground we're also brought to you by of course la bitta tb beer brewed in quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards la bitta tb offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste la bitta tb embrace your true nature we also have a new sponsor so we're excited to welcome accent insurance solutions as a new sponsor of the sick podcast you know all insurance isn't created equal and you know where to find the right solution for you accent insurance accent doesn't sell insurance they shop insurance for you to find the right product right on the money whatever your insurance needs home auto or business call the accent team today and get the right solution at the right price. Visit their website at accentassurance.com. That's because assurance in French. All right, uh, let's talk about the game because um, there was a lot. uh, I I thought it was going to be a good game for the Canadians. You know, I thought me and Stu, uh, after what we said on Wednesday night, we're going to, or Tuesday night against the Dallas Stars, I should say, we're going to be wrong because, you know, we both said it's probably going to be a tough game and for the Canadians because, you know, uh, they're coming back from a long road trip. Uh, back at home against a divisional opponent. That divisional opponent's not a very good team. Classic trap game scenario because the Canadians also don't play very well at home. Um, listen, the first five minutes, I thought that they were going to be in for a really good night and prove and make uh, Stu and I look like a couple of idiots. Um, but alas, uh, then uh, after just about the five-minute mark, it was... Uh, it was uh, Victor Olofsson of the Buffalo Sabres who rang a shot off the iron. And I said, oh, okay. Um, yeah, they're not going to be pushed around tonight. And uh, lo and behold, uh, the rest of the night is history. And that's a 6-1 victory for the Buffalo Sabres. Okay, let's break it all down. Very excited to talk to him because this is my first time in about a year and a half of filling in for Tony and working on Fridays. Um you know, and I've never spoken to it before. So let's uh, get to it. Mr. Grant McCag, uh, Grant McCag of Recruit po- Prospects. How are we doing? Hey, yeah, they've kept us apart for some reason. I don't know why, Matt, but uh, hey, glad to finally uh, get to chat with you about the Habs. I wish it was a little better circumstances, but yeah. <laughs> Well, that's you it. Know. You know, it was. Uh, I mean, listen. I I don't know about you when I when I logged on and said hello to producer Shane uh, off air. I said to him, he goes, "I missed most of the game." I go, "You're lucky." Because it was a six-one <laughs> yeah. score. But I, what I said was, and let me know if you agree with this assessment. Um, I said they didn't deserve to lose six to one, but they also didn't deserve to score more than one or two goals. So yeah, you know, well, that's fair. And Buffalo hit a couple of posts too, so those go in. You know, maybe they did deserve to lose six one. I found yeah. the uh, I found the forward support was lacking a bit uh, in the especially in the third period tonight. They just uh, they didn't seem to be getting back. Buffalo, the forwards uh, were outnumbering. You know, defensemen. It was a lot of three on twos in in their own zone, and uh, I, I mean that was wholly predictable. I was having a look at the. Uh, because it just seems like they go on a long road trip over Christmas just about every year. And uh, seven seven times over the past, since 2016, they've went on an extended road trip 
at Christmas, New Year's. Mm-hmm. And, uh, six of the times when they came back home, first game back, they lost. Now, you factor in that they were playing against Jeff Skinner. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're, and, they're, and facing a Montreal-born goaltender for the first time. I don't know what the stats are for that, but it seems like every single time a Montreal or a Quebec born, even Quebec born goalie comes back to Montreal, he stands on his head, especially the first time. So if I was a betting man, I don't bet on games, but I would have put money on Buffalo tonight. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that assessment, especially because, uh, you know, that the, the goalie for the Buffalo Sabres tonight, um, you know, it's always nice to hear like, you know, oh, there's a hometown guy coming to town. Well, this guy not only is a hometown guy, but I'm a little partial. He went to my high school, uh, to my elementary school. We went to the same elementary school. Oh, really? Older than him. A little older than him, of course. Uh, we weren't there at the same time, but uh, same elementary schools, Hebrew Foundation School in Dollar Days Armo. So, oh, wow. uh, so that's okay. uh, it's a big it's a big deal for Hebrew Foundation School, if you can right. imagine. So um, that was cool to see, but um, it was also cool to see him perform at a very yeah. high level. Well, you know, that's a that's a pressure packed game for a young goaltender, probably playing in front of a ton of family and friends. I have a connection too that uh, um, he played in Carlton Place for a couple mm-hmm. of years there in uh, CCHL, and I, I'm I grew up in Renfrew, and it's you know. Valley towns, right? Ottawa Valley, a very close, uh, close small towns that are, you know, on the outskirts of Ottawa. So I kind of always follow uh, kids that play the go that route, you know. I got to play one game in the CJHL back. Uh, I got called up from midget hockey, um, well, a long time ago. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> played against uh, played against Steve Eisenman actually at the in the pn sportsplex and uh they blew us out but i mean that was uh that was my impetus to you know okay i'm not going to make it as a hockey star when i saw you know when i got out on the ice against steve arzman and he was 15 and i was 17 and he was skating circles around me okay (laughs) i'm not going to have a career as an as an nhl player i better i better go to college (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean i'd say uh listen uh the it worked out for you because now you're uh leading one of the uh one of the biggest uh prospects uh magazines in the country so i congratulate you for that um yeah. let, let's you. uh let's dive let's dive a little bit more into the game because um i i agree with you that there was not a lot of forward support, especially at the end. I found the Canadians really, they, they were hanging on. And, you know, that, that goal by Yoel Armia kind of uh, injected a little bit of life into them. To me, it didn't really, I didn't really feel that they were still going to win the game. Like I said, maybe they could push this thing to overtime after that goal. Um, but the wheels really fell off after the third goal, I found. I, I, that's when I said, okay, they're going to blow this thing wide open. And uh, lo and behold, uh, that's what happened. Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, there weren't a lot of really terrible performances, I didn't think. Like, you you know, normally in a 6-1 game, you can can point to a bunch of guys that had really poor games. I mean, the the penalties again, right? It seems to kill them. Uh, I don't know. I think they need to make some changes on the penalty kill there because they were 31st, and I, I, I saw the, tweet from Stu tonight saying 
by the end of the night, they could be 32nd, you know, uh, and they might be. So I think uh, when you're lost in the league in a statistic, it's time to maybe change the players that you've got, um, you know, doing the task. Uh, I think Slavkovsky has been playing really well defensively the last month. Mm. And I'm a little surprised that they haven't at least tried him on the PK uh, up till now because he's playing very well defensively while most for the most part. I think he had two defensive giveaways tonight in his own zone. So mm. maybe it wasn't his best game defensively tonight. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing the kid uh, out killing some penalties because um, I think they need to change the personnel up a bit. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I found um, what one thing that I that definitely needs to change is listen again. This is uh, reacting to a six-one game off of a uh, off of a uh, long road trip that usually doesn't do any favors for the Canadians, and they hey hey they they went five hundred on it, so good good for them. Yeah. Um, but the eleven forward seven defenseman no that needs to that needs to end. That needs to end. No, I don't like it. Uh, defensemen, I know for a fact that defensemen don't like it. Uh, you know, most of them, they, they could play 20-plus minutes a night, the most defensemen, and um, seven, you're trying to – and then there's there's hard to get cohesion on the forward lines. I know they kept, mm-hmm. you know, they kept the Slavkovsky, uh, Suzuki, Caulfield line together and then kind of mixed and matched everything else, but – uh, it's hard to get chemistry when you're uh, you got different line mates just about every shift. Well, it's it's that and and just you know it, it's it's already you know tough when you play uh, you 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 deploy a forward for you know ten or less minutes a night, and then you're now you're deploying another defenseman in Kovacevic for you know just over eight minutes. Yeah, there was actually a, there's actually I, I read a comment. It was actually before uh, we went on the air. It was during the countdown. It was from YouTube. Um, I think his name is Jason Teal. He wrote this in. He said he's had enough that of Kovacevic and Baron needs to go down. And frankly, I I wrote it on my paper. I wrote I thought Kovacevic or Baron was going to be sent down for a forward now that they were back in Montreal and Laval was so close. I, I was I was pretty surprised that they went with the same lineup and all they changed was the goaltender. Yeah, um, I think, well, I, I mean, Kovacevic would have to clear waivers, right? So mm-hmm. probably lose him if uh, if you tried to send him down. Uh, Harris, Harris is still eligible, but I don't see him getting sent down. So, it, I mean, it would be Barron, I guess, if you did. But I don't know. Barron's the – it's always a bit of a sticky situation when – you know that that was the GM's plum return from uh, his first big trade, right? Mm-hmm. And typically, you got to kind of, you know, does, w- would it uh, would it burn his ears if uh, Baron got sent down? You know, um, I mean, I know you shouldn't look at it that way, but I think if you're a coach, you got to kind of please your GM too, right? So um, I don't know. I was surprised that Baron wasn't sent down at the start of the year. So that to me told me that, you know, they're giving him maybe a little bit of favorable treatment because giving him the benefit of the doubt, because he was the guy traded for Lekkonen. Um, But to his credit, he did, when he did get into the lineup, he popped some goals and he was playing pretty well. 
but we've seen a regression in his game, I think, uh, especially when he's pressured in his own zone the last month or so. Um, just a lot of uh, a lot of turnovers and mistakes, and I think he could still. He really hasn't played a heck of a lot of pro games yet, still, mm-hmm. and I don't think it would hurt him to uh, to get some more AHL seasoning, and it would it would help to solve that 7-11 dilemma and then call up somebody as well, which I'm not sure who. I, I mean, nobody's exactly tearing it up in uh, in Laval right now, but, you mm. know, maybe Heinemann back up. Uh, as long as they're not playing him five, six minutes like they were the two games that he came up to, you know. I don't like to see these guys get called up and then yeah. barely play because you want them developing still too, so. Uh, I don't know, uh, Heinemann or Heinemann. I'm not sure. I've heard both pronunciations. Um, <laughs> uh, I think they go with hey, like Haskinen now, you know, when he first came into the league, they said, yeah, Heiskinen, right. Now it's Heiskinen, Heiskinen. Now it's Heiskinen. Yeah. That's so right. now you're hearing Heinemann. So well, it's one of the two. I think you know who I'm talking about, whichever, yeah. but, um, uh, maybe Condotta, um, Blaine Potvin was uh, mentioning that today and that, that he thought that it might be um, uh, Leas Anderson, but he's just back from injury and he hasn't got a point in seven last seven games. I don't know. He doesn't really deserve to get called up. Um, I, to me, I think you just bring up another center because you, you can never have too many centers. And he, he replaces Dvorak. Uh, Kandata if you bring him in and then you can keep uh, keep the Anderson Evans Monaghan line together and the top two units aren't mixed up at all and you you know you're just subbing in a guy on the third line I mean nothing I don't think anything's ideal right now they don't really have the ideal guy to call up uh, I don't think but um, I do agree that the 11-7 I'm not a big fan of it, and uh, I hope that they change it up next game. And, and you know, I, I don't know. Like you said, uh, you know, you said, you know, as a coach, sometimes you got to appease your GM, and uh, th- we're we're seeing that because you know, uh, with the three goalie system, that's forever a topic of conversation. Um, yeah. And the the other thing is 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 just uh, you'd have to think that the 11-7 thing is also an appeasement because, like you said, Kovacevic, you, you pro- if you send him down, you, you probably lose him on waivers. Um, you don't want to send Jaded Struble down because he's playing too well. Um, you don't want to send Jordan Harris down because he's just got back from injury and he's playing very well. And then yeah. that leaves Justin Barron, who you just said, you know, you want to appease the GM. That it's You know, I feel like with the two, three goalie system and now the 11-7 thing, it, it really feels like I know Kent Hughes likes to maximize his asset management and his asset uh, and what he can get for his assets, but he's got to throw Martin St. Louis a bone. Yeah, at least that's what it feels like. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe trade a goalie and a defenseman, get a forward. Mm. That's the other option. You know, it's it. I mean, it's out there. There's teams looking for goalies. Uh, I know Elliot Friedman mentioned a few days ago that uh, Hughes has his price uh, mm-hmm. for Allen, or I assume it's Allen that would be 
who is dealt because I don't I don't see a team in need of a of a goalie to bolster their lineup to roll the dice on Primo because mm-hmm. he's just too unproven at the NHL level. It's going to be yeah. Allen, and they keep Montembeau. I'd be surprised if it's Montembeau that gets traded. Um, but do they do something like package Harrison or, or whoever Kovacevich at, and Allen and pick up a forward? I mean that would that would solve the eleven seven thing as well, right? And then fill the hole. But I think there's a need right now for another uh, another certainly another forward in the top six. Now I don't know whether if they can get that or not, but uh, maybe you can get a young forward from a team. You know, it seems like uh, he likes Hughes likes to make those deals to get the like new hook, Baron. Uh, you know, young guys that maybe weren't getting full opportunity where they were and they get it and they get it in Montreal. Uh, a young guy that hasn't cracked the top six of a good team yet that a team might be willing to, to trade for, uh, for goaltending and defense depth. And um, I think he's probably exploring those options, but you know, uh, typically the trades happen a little closer to the deadline. You know, yeah. When when it's a little more certain about who's going to be in the playoffs and who's who's falling out. Yeah, and I and you know I agree with you. And you know I think uh, I, I with the goalie thing that you said that a lot of teams are looking for goalies and that they're probably going to take the shot on Allen versus uh, versus Primo. And the other thing is, you know, a lot of people are still fixated on Edmonton, on Carolina. Uh, you know, there, those are the two big ones, uh, that I hear, that I hear, uh, being thrown around. I'm sure if, uh, you know, uh, maybe a couple months ago, this was true. If we weren't talking, if the Montreal Canadians were not located with Montreal and they were located in a different city, Toronto? I'm sure Toronto would, Toronto would be inserted yeah. in that conversation as well. Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I, I just, I, I really think it's going to be a team that just needs a guy to take the pressure off of their number one, uh, you know, and just, if things get crazy, goes on a bit of a slide, it's, you know, you have the job, just let the, take a breather. Let the, let the KG veteran who's been around the block a couple times take yeah. the pressure off you. Yeah, that's possible. I think LA. I've I've read that LA might be one of the teams that's looking for a for a goalie as well, and maybe hmm. you know, maybe there's somebody that Bergevin's uh, banging the table for there <laughs> in LA. You never know. Yeah, listen. I mean, uh, it would work for him, right? You know, get Jake Allen back in the picture with uh, with uh, with Philip Dano. Get the gang back together. Well, you know, why not? Yeah, order um, a pizza and yeah, <laughs> go from there. It'd be just like old times. Yeah. But you know what? What I find, um, you know, I I, I want to circle back to what you said. Uh, just moving back to the game because I, I again another point I agree with was that you can't really pinpoint someone that had a bad game really um you know but I, I feel like we could pinpoint a couple guys who had some good games uh frankly I think I think uh Yoel Armia I mean that's the obvious one you know he yeah. it felt like uh it felt like Brian Mudrick on the TSN broadcast was saying his name every three minutes because uh, he was all over the ice he played a pretty good game yeah. um uh Jesse Alonin 
uh, or Ilanen. He played he played a good game. Uh, Josh Anderson missed the net on a couple chances, but I thought he brought some some uh, some oomph to the offensive side. Pizzetta was hitting Struble until he gave away the puck on the last goal or on the last uh, goal yeah. on uh, Jake Allen, on the fourth goal I should say was was having an okay game. Um, but other than that, there was really nothing that said, "Oh, okay, this guy is gonna bring the bring the Canadians uh, or will the Canadians back into the fight." Yeah, yeah. Um, I find Monahan the last month or so was, you know, he's had a couple of decent games, but he hasn't been as good as he was earlier in the year, and that's that's hurt a bit. Um, the top line wasn't maybe rolling like they have been in in recent games to a certain extent. Um, and the Canadians need those guys to be the best line to win most nights, I think, because they're, they're, they're providing most of the offense, you know, um, they had a few chances, but it was a kind of a, you know, they had some defensive lapses as well. And, uh, the passes weren't clicking maybe like they have been in, in recent games, but, um, yeah, I thought Struble the first half was really good, throwing the body especially. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half, there wasn't just the fourth goal. There was a couple of, I you know, I I actually saw my first real glaring turnover from him uh, about midway through the second period. And I said, oh, that's the first time I've really seen him, you know, mm. cough up the puck like, I don't know, uh, Jordy Ben, Jordy Ben like <laughs> or something, you know, where it just... <laughs> You know, Jordy was good for one of those uh, every couple of games, right? And uh, but uh, I mean, I'll take it. Every tw- if every twenty games he's got a glaring uh, turnover or two, that's he because he's been the steadiest. As far as I'm concerned, he's been the steadiest defenseman since he's in the lineup. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that because uh, I really like Jaden Struble, and it's you know he's probably the main reason why the Canadians are in this. 11-7 conundrum and also that it's just there's just such a log jam and you know this has got to be exciting as you know if you want to take a positive you want to spin this positively because that's what we like to do is yeah. there's such a log jam with young defensemen in the canadian system that you know we it was written in the athletic and uh, by arpin basu and he he said it again on the broadcast at the intermission is that Canadians fans are probably going to have to get used to seeing players that are in Laval uh, on the defensive side, at least for now. You know, we'll see about the offensive side uh, in a couple of years. But for now, the, on the defensive side of the puck, they're going to have to get used to seeing some players that probably shouldn't be down there. Down there. Like, uh, you know, Arbor Jacki has been playing really well in Laval as of late. I think he has eight points in 10 games or, or vice versa. And, uh, you know, after a rocky start, Logan Mayu's play has been picking up. Like all these guys probably deserve a chance, but you know, who are you going to take out of the lineup that you're not going to lose for nothing? And it's, uh, it's tough because, you know, those guys, uh, it would be Jaden Struble. You're not going to take him out of the lineup. Um, and you're not going to drop the other guys that, down out either. So there, it's you yeah. want to spin it positively. There's just it's a good problem to have, but it's a difficult one to manage. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and you know, Reinbacher and Hudson and uh, Engstrom are all probably going to be uh, in the organization next year. 
-hmm. and then it's only going to be more of a log jam, right? So um, that's why I think at least one defenseman's going to be uh, cleared out here before the trade deadline. Probably two. Um, mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see which ones they are, but um, I have to think. I think Savard will probably be gone, you know? Yeah. I know Tony keep, uh, thinks that it'll be next trade deadline, but there's just, you got to give spots to guys, you know? And I think uh, the, they've earned it. And uh, Savard will probably get the best return. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he's, he's, he's steady, solid, good playoff, good in the playoffs. You know, there's going oh, to be yeah. a team that probably will offer you a first round pick for him. If not, it'll be a second plus, you know, uh, pretty sure. So uh, I, I think Savard will be gone. Kovacevic, if they can find a deal, I imagine will be traded too. Um, and one of the left defensemen, if if they're comfortable with, with Harris on the right and he's looked good on his offside so far. Mm-hmm then they may not have to deal one of the left guys at this point, but Arbor looks like he should be called back up. Like he's playing. Oh yeah. He stopped taking the, the dumb penalties. And I think that was one of the main reasons why he was sent <laughs> down. I think he got the message loud and clear. Uh, I had a look at his, I have Instat and I get to see, I can see the shifts of these guys. And I looked at some of uh, his recent games and he, he looks like an NHL or playing in the AHL right now. So yeah, um, they'll probably want to get him back up before the end of the year, I think. Uh, so there, there's going to have to be some moves. Um, well, it's funny you say, I, it's funny you said Savard because, you know, Stu, Stu Cowan and I, uh, who, gen, who uh, generally chat every Friday night, uh, we, We've said it's David Savard and, you know, it, it wouldn't be, you know, it's someone you could wait on. But I did have the thought tonight that, like, maybe, you know, they're going to wait to – they're going to leave Arbor Jackeye down in Laval until they bring – until they can trade David Savard away because maybe. Know, he's looking good. Very similar type of player. Obviously, he doesn't bring the veteran presence that uh, and steadiness that uh, David Savard brings. But it's a very similar type of player – and, you know, J.F. Hool had very nice things to say about Arbor Jackeye. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I think uh, that that might be that that could be a scenario that I see playing out. Yeah. Well, I think he's helping. Uh, uh, like he's paired with Mayu. And um, I think they're they're finding some chemistry uh, and he's helping Mayu. Like, I think he's. You know, uh, big brother almost type thing for Mayu, even though they're basically the same age, I guess. Or I guess maybe he's one year older than Mayu. But uh, I think he's helping He's helping uh, Mayu and um, keep those guys together to help get – they want Laval to get in the playoffs, right? And it's mm -hmm. the top five teams from the division, so they're very, they're right in the – like they were out for a while, but they've been on a good streak lately, and they uh, they're right back in the playoff hunt. So uh, they could get major reinforcements at the end of the year, and and if they make the playoffs, they can make some noise this year. So I think the goal is to get get in the playoffs, and 
certainly having a, a, a pairing of Mayu and, and Jackai is going to help them. It's going to help them do that immensely. So there's no big rush, I don't think, to bring back Jackai because the the defense core for the most part's been playing pretty well, and mm -hmm. the young guys are playing well on the left. I mean, he he's not beating out any of the three guys on the left right now, you know. Matheson, Gooley, and Struble, he's just, there's no spot for him there right now. And I don't think he can play on the right. I wouldn't put him in that spot. So maybe he stays down till the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, Kovacevic and, and, and Savard or Savard and Harris or whatever, or maybe just Savard gets dealt at that point. And then you, you bring him back up. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 and you know it's a tough situation because it, it's like you want to stick to the plan, right? If you're Kent Hughes, and you know they refuse to say the p word uh, before the uh, before the season, that being playoffs, and you know, but listen, they're in the mix. Uh, whether yeah. you know whether they plan for it or not, they're in the mix, and you know, games like tonight. When you are eventually talking playoffs, you know, before the season, this is one of those games that's an unacceptable result because this is a team that's down in the standings. They're further below you in the standings and you drop two points to them uh, that you, you, you could have had. You know, if you put better, put forward a better effort, you could have had. So it, it's a tough position for Hughes and you just like, I just got to think that he's got to throw the team a bone. Like I'm not saying go out and, you know, trade five uh, defensive prospect, blue chip prof prospects here for a, for a star forward. I'm saying like, just throw the team a bone, you know, go get someone who can, you know, just give the team a little bit of a morale boost, you know, boost of scoring. They need it. They need it. And they're in the mix and it'd be a good, I feel it could be a good learning experience for a young group like this to be on a playoff push, you know, probably knowing that you're probably not going to make it, but it's, you're there, right. you're right there. Well, I really have a hard, difficult time seeing them down the stretch, making the playoffs with Jake Evans uh, in a top six role. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, I, well, that has to be, that has to, there has to be a replacement there. They need to find someone that can take that spot and bring Jake back down the fourth line or wherever, you know, wherever he's best suited. Um, uh, credit to the team and, and to the coaching staff and the players to for remaining in the hunt with New Hook out, with Doc out, with Harvey Panarin out, now, now Dvorak out. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of hits to, uh, especially the center. Um, so... It, it, it looks very unlikely that they'll make the playoffs. They've got yeah. to climb over, what, six teams or something like that? You know, I mean, they're only six points out, but there's six teams between them and that playoff spot, or five or at least. And that just, uh, that's almost impossible math when you when you also consider that they uh, they really don't have the horses right now with all the injuries, I don't think, uh, and they don't have the call-ups. So, uh, I don't think he can. If they want to keep make a serious playoff push and keep keep trying, uh, I think he's got to make a trade soon. I don't think he can wait till the deadline. And I think there's teams that want to go want goaltending now. So, 
it, I don't know if he can find that piece or not, but I'm sure I'm sure he's looking and he's doing a lot of calls, doing a lot of calling. Oh yeah, well I'm you know he's probably that was something that uh, I think the insiders on TSN always love to say was that Mark Bergevin was always one of oh. the active ones, but with Kicking you know with tires. all the exactly, but you know with all the trades that Kent Hughes makes, I. You know, I better believe you better believe that he's one of the busier ones because yeah, for sure. There, are, there, are, there are there are pieces on this team that are desirable to other teams, and you know, for 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 the people that are you know demolishing me in the comments for saying that they're for saying that they're in the mix, like they are in the mix for a playoff push. Wow, it's just where they are. There's yeah, no, no I, one's no one's pulling away, but no. they're not going to make it, is it because now we're seeing you know the injuries really catch up to them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if they had Doc all year, I think they'd be they'd be right there. Like that was just such a key injury for them. They'd have a good top six, and they you know, uh, but they just don't have those six. They don't have six players that can compete with other teams' uh, top six, and that's just so important. And until they have that, I think they're just going to be a little bit shy. You know, despite having a good defense despite the goalies playing well despite the team playing well there's just not enough firepower there yeah yeah but uh you know what uh we're seeing some we're seeing some things on the way you know at least uh you know look to the future again it's very tough for for canadians fans that are impatient people are mad and you know what i i i don't blame them but people have been clamoring for a rebuild forever and this is literally what a rebuild is like it's it's all fun and games to watch a rebuild from afar and you know and you you could say oh look at Edmonton they were bad forever well they also got two of the best hockey players on their team in the world and uh they're still not very good and uh <laughs> you know it, yeah. it, it didn't always it doesn't always work out like that you know it's it it had it, they had some good seasons, but it doesn't always work out. We're they're trying to do it the right way, and it's it's painful to go through. But this is, you know, only year two of a full a full year two. It's a two and a half if you want to count the half year that Kent Hughes was brought in. But yeah, it, it's this is the reality of a rebuild. It, it, it it's tough, you know. And uh, unfortunately, one thing the Canadians just cannot shake is, uh, you know, they. They improve the power play. That's uh, good. Nick Suzuki is on a, almost on a point per game pace. The guy, the the, the defense are uh, chipping in and offensively at a remarkable pace. One thing they can't shake bureau year is uh, that injury bug. Because man, oh man, they've been bitten and bitten and bitten again by it. It's crazy. I thought you know the law of averages said after you know having the most injuries by far the last two years that this year. You know, bottom of the like, bottom fifteen in injuries, and here they here they go again. Change the whole medical staff, so you can't blame it on you know. It's not there. It's just bad luck, and it's uh, sooner or later that'll turn around. But no, we uh, they've been struck again, so it's uh, it's unfortunate. But they probably weren't winning a cup this year, regardless, and. I always try, try to look at things optimistically and hey, and being as in the scouting business and draft business, they're likely going to end up with a top 10 pick and uh, they're going to get a hell of a forward, whoever that might be.
So let, let's talk about that. Let's 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 get into that a little bit. Uh, we're going to start mm-hmm. with a hell of a forward who's, you know, we mentioned it briefly, uh, who's on the team already. Uh, Yuri Slavkovsky really, really like what he's been showing as of late. Uh, you know, he's getting a lot of praise for it, and it's it's deserved praise. It's really it's not some of the coddling stuff where they're talking about him like, oh, you know, he's playing okay. He's having good shift here. I thought he did this okay. No, he's genuinely playing a very good, playing very good hockey right now. Very, very good to see. Uh, Pierre Maguire actually said on another sick podcast, um, he said that uh, his ceiling is about 30 to 35 goals, seven, uh, 65, 75 points. Uh, agree or disagree? Uh, I don't know. I think he's, I think he's a really good playmaker. Um, what I've, what I've, uh, I think he's more likely to get 45 to 50 assists than he is to get 35 goals at this point Hmm. until, until he learns that it starts to show that he can snipe at the NHL level that, um, I've been a lot more impressed by his playmaking than his goal scoring so far. That's for sure. And I mean, I know at the Olympics, he was great. He was scoring goals and he does have a great shot. And uh, we're starting to see signs of him using it a little more effectively and, and more often. But uh, he's a, he's a really good playmaker and mm. he likes to, he, he's such an unselfish player. Um, you know, he, he he loves to get the puck. He loves to dish it off to the guys. Uh, he makes a pile of really good passes, and that to me is an indication that he's going to be a good playmaking winger uh, who can hit forty plus assists in his prime. Especially on the you know, if Caulfield gets back to his forty to fifty goal a year pace that we thought last year, I think he's still recovering a bit from his shoulder surgery and stuff, and it's coming, but it's going to take a bit of time. Um, I can see him. I can be, I, I mean, I don't like to make those point predictions, but yeah, you know, 20 to 30, 20 to 30, 25 to 35 goals, uh, 40 to 50 assists. Um, might be a point per game guy. might be just under that, but he's going to bring so many other elements to his game, especially at playoff time. I think he'll thrive. He may not be a point per game player hmm. in the regular season all the time, but I think I could see him if the Canadians ever do get successful and go on some playoff runs, being a, a, a one of the top scoring playoff performers in the league, and that's that's ultimately what you want from a from a high pick. Yeah, I, I again I agree. Um, uh, what yeah, I love cool. about your I, yeah, you know, it's good that we agree on a lot <laughs> yeah, of things. Yeah. I like that. Um, but you know, I, I what I really like is so he. I, I agree with you on the playmaking abilities. I, I think that has really taken a big step. Uh, I really would love to see him be a little more selfish. Like he had a shot yeah. on the power play. I, I yeah. forget which period it was, but he just like it it. It was, you know, a rocket. And a friend of a friend of mine texted in one of my group chats, and he goes, "Why doesn't Slaff shoot the puck more?" Or yeah, I know. Guy has a cannon, and, and it's yeah. like, you want to see that because you know you use that more often. Like, 
Woof, can you be well, a, an effective player for this team right now? Well, you already are, but even more. Sorry, uh, encouraging thing too was that Mathis and Ashley started passing the puck to him on the power play too. Um, he, I don't know what what the deal was there, but it seemed like he he was allergic to passing it. Caulfield would have two guys covering him, and uh, Matheson would either shoot it out, shoot it, try to shoot it through three defensemen or three defenders, or pass it to a covered Caulfield uh, constantly. I think he finally got the memo and got the, you know, said, hey, there's a guy open on the other side there that has a good shot, believe it or not. He may not be scoring goals, but he can shoot the puck. And uh, he got it over to him a lot more tonight, and we got to see that rocket that he does have. And uh, I think they'll start to go in. Um, Hmm. He's still learning. He's got to work on his release. He's got to work on uh, finding the seams, you know, the lanes to shoot he gets a lot of shots blocked um but he's got a hard accurate shot we saw it at 17 at the olympics and in the world championships and it's not like that went away he's just learning he's learning how to score at the uh, nhl level and that can take time um but i am more at this point anyways i am more optimistic about him being becoming a very good playmaker because we see it every game. He makes nice passes. So um, I think he's going to, uh, I think he's going to get pile up a lot of assists in his career. Yeah. I, I, I really think, uh, you know, he's, it's so hard to forget that he's only 19 years old. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like a lot of people forget that, uh, you know, but uh, it's the way it goes. Things move quickly in the NHL and uh, you know, he's learning very quickly about uh, how impatient fans can be and that, uh, not all, as uh, as Stu as Stu Cowan likes to say, not all first overall picks are created equally. Um, <laughs> another, you know, again, just more prospect talk. Uh, a guy who was who played very had a very good uh, World Junior is the other Slovakian first round pick by the Canadians that year, Philip Meshar. Uh, you know, seven points in five games, I think it was. Uh, or nine points in in five games or nine yeah yeah he he just he would had a very very good very good tournament uh canadians fans got to feel good about that one yeah for sure and uh you know battled battled away from the puck played well away from the puck i thought too um clutch he scored that clutch goal in the, in the mm. you know to tie it up late um he seems to make clutch plays, a lot of clutch plays, and I like that part of his game. Um, he's got top six upside, and uh, that, you know, going into the season, it, it's funny, and it, it it happens every year. You know, the prospects yo-yo back and forth a bit. You, uh, you know, going into camp, didn't have a great camp, didn't have a great development camp, and you're thinking, didn't, didn't, produced last year in Kitchener like perhaps people after starting out a great there we thought oh he's going to be a two-point a game guy and he slowed down and so you know well was a better prospect for sure and uh Hmm. you know um back and now the two of those guys have slowed down some and Meshire's picked it up and now he looks like he might be the better prospect so it happens every year that that there, you know, 
mm-hmm. the inconsistencies of a young player that's developing and uh, having to be patient and not trying to pigeonhole a guy based on one year, uh, you know, because there's going to be good years and bad years. And um, I mean, I do a top 20, top 30 pros- prospect list and it changes every two months. You can change guys five, six spots up and down, you know, mm. and uh, we have to be keep in mind that um, these, these prospects are young. They're going to have ups and downs. They're going to have va- peaks and valleys and you just have to be patient and wait till they get to the team and hope that they, uh, they fulfill their potential. So you mentioned him. Uh, he's in trade talk uh, tonight. It uh, looks like he's getting traded, uh, Mr. Owen Beck. Uh, you know, okay, how much yeah. of a uh, – how much – like we saw the returns on uh, – who was it? Connor Geeky. And yeah. uh, who was the other one who got – uh, Matt Savoy. Yeah. He got, they got traded essentially for, you know, every first, every, every pick uh, for the next uh, three, four yeah. years. Um, what, what's, uh, what's Owen Beck like? Uh, what's he looked like? Cause t- nobody on Canada other than Macklin Celebrini really had that good of a tournament I found, um, you know, so what's his, uh, what was, how's he been playing in the OHL this year? And uh, what's that going to mean for uh, the team acquiring him in the, I think it's the Saginaw spirit. Yeah. Looks like he's going to be going to back-to-back Memorial Cups. Not too many prospects get to go uh, two World Juniors in a row and two Memorial Cups in a row the same years. It's kind of a, it's kind of a you know fairly rare. So that's kind of neat. Um, I mean, it'll be great experience for him. Um, he hasn't he hasn't probably produced like we'd hoped, and he didn't produce at the World Juniors, being the one returning player. I think maybe we were hoping for a little more offense from him there, but ultimately that's not going to be what he is. He's not, I don't think he's going to be a top six. Certainly I don't think he's going to be a second line center in the NHL and that's fine. I think he can be a, uh, a third line center on a contending team and help you win, uh, win face-offs, play a great two-way game, play physically smart, a uh, lot of competitiveness and uh, just a coach's dream. Do what I know he's impressed Marty at both training camps. And um, I suspect that he'll do the same thing next, next year when he, uh, the thing with um, he got a great return last year too, when he, he got dealt last year to Peterborough and they, uh, they ended up winning the OHL, but it was a boatload of draft picks. And uh, the different thing with the OHL is that they have a rule where they can't trade first rounders. Hmm. So it ends up being, <laughs> you, you can see uh, some trades where it's like 10 to 12 draft picks, right? And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It, it'll be like uh, second rounders up to 2028 20, or something like that, right? And, uh, so you can expect that it'll be eight eight plus draft picks probably coming back in return for Beck when he, when he goes to Saginaw. And listen, uh, you know, any more playoff experience, doesn't matter at what level it is. It's always helpful. Uh, Always, always helpful. Um, One guy uh, who's going to get a little more world junior experience, big stage experience uh, in the Canadian system. Uh, 
probably score sheet wise, having an underwhelming underwhelming tournament. That's okay. Listen, uh, you know, there's. I, I remember back in the day when Tony and I worked on the radio together. We were talking uh, when the sky was really falling in Canadians land. Uh, <laughs> you know. I think Cole Caulfield had one or two goals in the world juniors the year after he got drafted or no goals. And, and, you know, we, we were throwing our hands in the air going, Oh my God, when it rains, it really pours in Montreal. And, uh, Lane Hudson, not really lighting up the lamp. Like people were expecting. Uh, how have you seen his game though, throughout the tournament? Yeah. I, I mean, He's got a he's got a point a game, so that's not bad for a defenseman. But uh, it's not bad. You know, but he, it's just there were there were some expectations. Like I read an article with I read it, the entire. Oh article no, I know. The headline caught me that you know he's supposed to break records and all this stuff, and I'm like, he'll be the MVP. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Top defenseman, and and he's uh, it, it. What's been funny is that while he hasn't lit it up offensively and he hasn't had any goals yet. Um, he's, you know, he was out there in the six and four at the end of the game, protecting the, the one goal lead today. Uh, he was on the first PK. He's been on the first PK the whole tournament. So he's one of the U S uh, you know, and you wouldn't have predicted that going into the tournament. I don't think that, he'd end up being their defensive stalwart, right? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, uh, I'm not worried about his offense. I know he's got that. I know that it's there. Uh, what what the concern is is defense, and he's stepped up and been fantastic in that regard at the World Juniors. So, to me, uh, again, as someone that likes to look at things a little more positively than most, uh, I think it's encouraging that, He's uh, he's had a, an excellent tournament defensively. Um, I talked to his Adam Nightingale. We had him on our we do a draft cast there, the sick mm-hmm. recruits draft cast, and uh, he was his under eighteen coach a couple of years ago, and he he was telling me like he thinks that he will play a top four role, even strength at the NHL level. That he'll 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 get it done. Just he's so competitive. And the interesting thing that he brought up was the fact that he's got a about a 62 or 63 inch wingspan, um, which for his height is unusual. Like his, you know, his hands go down below the the knees type yeah. thing, right? Uh, and you noticed it out there. I was keeping an eye on it today, especially. Like he's got a long stick and he's got a good reach. Um, so he gets to a lot of pucks that. Typically, it's larger defensemen, taller defensemen get to. And he's so smart, and he gets on the right side of the puck, and he reads the play well, and he uh, he positions himself really well. Um, his defense at the World Juniors has been uh, very good. And people don't typically watch a player away from the puck, so they don't really notice it. But um, mm. the fact that the U.S. coach is putting him out there six – Six on four at the end of the game, protecting the lead, tells you that you know tells you that that he's playing good defense. So I think yeah. that's very important. 
Uh, and and I feel like that's encouraging for a lot of Canadians fans to hear because you know a, a lot of people it's it's tough you know when you're uh, when you you're not watching every game as uh, you know not everyone can and then you just see point totals it was really heading into these uh, the medal rounds that it was he wasn't lighting the world ablaze and now he's playing point per game so that's good but it's just coming into the tournament. Yeah. You know, you're reading like, oh, he's going to break this record. He's going to do this, that. And then, you know, you fall really short. A little bit discouraging, but I think uh, that can can put some Canadians fans' minds at ease. I I believe uh, he had two primary assists today. Uh, He he tends to be a clutch player, right? And uh, he came up big with uh, at least one primary assist today. What, they won 3-2? I'm just having a quick look here. I don't know if, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. if they awarded him with uh, with that or not. Um, yes, he had. Uh, they only gave him one. Okay. So he had one primary assist today. But uh, he was really good. He was really good today, and I bet – I bet you I would not be surprised if he scores a winning goal again tomorrow. He's just so clutch. I've seen it at Boston U over the last two years. Mm. He's like fourth in the uh, NCAA in, in game-winning goals. And, uh, I mean, that's unheard of for a defenseman, right? Um, and, and a lot of them over time. The game's close, and U.S. has a chance to win. It would not surprise me if, if he ends up getting a golden goal. He's just, he, he's that, he rises to the occasion. We've seen it time and time again. And uh, I have not been disappointed in his uh, world junior at all. Well, there you go. Take it from, uh, take it from the expert Habs fans. Uh, nothing <laughs> to worry about. Uh, Grant, I want to thank you for joining me on this Thursday evening, uh, post-game edition of the Montreal Canadiens losing 6-1. to one. You stuck it out for the entire 6-1 to one loss, uh, just <laughs> like I did, and I appreciate that. And uh, it was great talking to you. Yeah, you too. All right, that was Grant McCagg of uh, the Sick Podcast Network uh, and also recruits uh, the uh, Prospect Ranking uh, magazine. Uh, Thank you all for joining me. I will be back uh, tomorrow, uh, and uh, we'll continue the conversation then about the Montreal Canadiens in the week that was. Uh, Tony is back on Monday, uh, so uh, just for those of you who uh, aren't aware, maybe maybe you didn't know, but... Tony is on vacation, uh, which is why he's in Portugal. Must be nice. Um, And uh, it's about, uh, I want to say, four in the morning over there. So uh, he obviously didn't stay up to watch the game. That's why I'm doing uh, game nights on my usual Friday. And uh, you see Tony on the nights where there is no Habs game. Thank you all for listening. I'm back tomorrow. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.